Hey everyone, I'm so glad you joined us for worship today. Uh, this last week I had different people contact me about different concerns I had, and one of the questions that came up was, hey, what are you going to talk about this Sunday? And I said, well, I'm going to talk about Palm Sunday, because that's what it is. It's the Sunday before Easter. And I said, you mean Palm Sunday, where Jesus kind of rode a donkey into Jerusalem through a parade where people were waving palm branches? That story? Yeah, that's what I'm going to talk about. And they said, why would you talk about a palm-waving parade during a pandemic? And I said, oh, because there are some incredible lessons. There are some incredible reminders in this story for each one of us, and they apply all the time, especially in times when we're going through difficulty. And so today, I want to give you five good reasons or five observations from the Palm Sunday story that will give us hope and encouragement, and I think that's what we need right now. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, today we're worshiping in our homes. We've been ordered by the governor to stay home as much as we possibly can, and so we will. And I thank you, Lord, for the gift of technology that even though we can't worship in person, we can worship together online, and you're with each one of us. Today, Lord, I pray that you'll speak and that you will remind us some marvelous truths that are contained in the Palm Sunday story, uh, truths that remind us of who you are, your great love for us, and of our great need for you. So move me out of the way, Lord. Show us what you want us to know. And we thank you for your word that guides us in all matters of faith and practice right through the middle of a pandemic. Bless our time together, Jesus. In the name of Christ we pray, amen. Well, the Palm Sunday story is important for us to consider for a number of reasons. The first one is this, is that it reminds us that we all need saving. We all need saving. The people in Jesus' day we're certain of this. In fact, when he rode a donkey down into Jerusalem, he did so during the time of Passover. It was one of the big three celebrations that the Israelites had every year. And when they came together this year, when Jesus was coming, he was kind of like a rock star. He had raised people from the dead. He had done a number of miracles. He taught the Bible in a way nobody had ever heard. And people from all over Israel came to see him. In fact, people from all over the known world at the time. In John 12, it tells us that a great crowd had gathered, and as Jesus came into Jerusalem, they took palm branches and went out to meet him, meet him shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, blessed is the King of Israel. I mean, they were excited to see Jesus come into town because they knew that they needed rescuing. That's what the word Hosanna means, by the way. It means, please save us. Save us, Jesus. Save us, Jesus. You're the one who can do it. We're glad you're here. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They were hoping that Jesus would be a political ruler, a, a military genius, maybe somebody like King David, who in centuries past had brought the people of Israel to great prominence. He'd been a great king on earth. And they thought that Jesus might be that kind of king, set up a new movement who could overthrow the Romans and give the people back their freedom. They didn't understand Jesus' mission course, that he was coming to rescue them from sin and death by dying on a cross, but they did know there was something special about him, and they knew that he needed saving. And that's why I started here at the beginning of this story, because that's something that we forget from time to time. I mean, when, our, when the stock market's going up and our health is great and work is good, well, we tend to think we're on top of the world, and we forget that we always need a Savior. We always need God's guidance. But then when we come to a time like we're facing now, when we're up against a virus that's bigger than 
the whole world, that the brightest minds in the world haven't yet been able to come up with a vaccine to treat it yet, I mean, then we know that we need the Lord and we need to pray. And not just for health concerns, but for economic concerns. Because we don't know how this is going to impact our economy or even our own personal jobs. And then there's a whole other dimension to this. Um, I guess I'd share it this way. I talked to a woman this week. She said, look, I'm working from home. My husband's working from home. Our kids are home from school during the day. And we're all just on top of each other. I'm fixing three meals a day. And the house is constantly uh, turned upside down. And I just feel frazzled. And at times, I feel like a complete failure. Well, times of hardship do that to us. We realize not only are we weak, but we're confused and we're tired and we need help and we need hope and we need a savior. That's why these words ring out with new truth. Listen to Romans 3.23. Paul wrote these. He said, for everyone has sinned and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God with undeserved kindness declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. I mean, isn't it wonderful to know that in the word of God, we have the wonderful promise that even though we fall short in so many ways, God loves us, God forgives us, and he wants to be with us. Mm, that's good news. But sometimes we don't think about it in the good times. It takes hard times to make us realize, mm, we really do need the Lord because we need saving. Secondly, this Palm Sunday story is important for us because it reminds us that our Savior wants us to come to him. I mean, it'd be one thing to say, well, Jesus will love you, but here's what you got to do to earn an audience with him. It's another thing to read this story and realize Jesus came right to the people in Jerusalem knowing that in a few days, the people there would crucify him. He came to serve. He came to love. He came to rescue us. Listen to what John writes about this. Jesus found a young donkey and he sat upon it. As it is written, don't be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. Now, this was a fulfillment of a prophecy that had been written 500 years earlier from the Old Testament prophet Zechariah. In Zechariah 9.9, he said, Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He's righteous and victorious, yet he's humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. A king would come who would be righteous and humble and come to his people. That's Jesus. I mean, how wonderful is that? That our Savior comes to us and he comes humble, riding a donkey. Not angry, riding a giant war horse to come punish us or get us in line. But he comes to us in a way that he's approachable in a way that we understand that he loves us and he cares for us. Jesus himself had said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, he said, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and let me teach you, because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. I mean, that is such great news. We have a Savior who not only wants to help us, he wants us to come to him no matter what our problems are. He knows full well that we're sinners, and he knows how weak we are, and he says, come to me, I'll give you rest. Could there be any better news than that? Well, actually, yeah, there could be, <laughs> because the New Testament tells us not only did Jesus come 
approachably and humbly so that people would come and bring their problems to him. He was coming into Jerusalem to later, in just a few days, die on a cross and pay the penalty for all our sins. And when Paul comments on that in 2 Corinthians 5.21, he says this, God made him who had no sin, that's Jesus, to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Not only did Jesus come to his people so they could come to him and lay out their burdens before him, he came to pay the penalty for all their sins. So here's what's amazing about what Jesus did for us. He died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins, and he took all our sins upon him when he did that. And in exchange for our sins, he gave us his righteousness. We give him our broken, shot, worthless lives, and he gives us a brand new life. In fact, um, all throughout the New Testament, wonderful declarations of our new life through Christ are made. And I put uh, together just a few of the things here, just five of them. If you download the outline on our app or our website, you'll see in the discussion questions a, a longer list than this. But here are five things that are promised to us through a relationship with Jesus when we come to him. First of all, I'm a new creation. And that's important because sometimes we think, I'll never change. My life is so messed up, there's no hope for me. Yes, there is. Through Christ, you and I become a new creation. Or maybe we think, I've done too many things wrong. God could never forgive me. Well, Jesus proved on the cross that his love knows no limits. I'm forgiven of all my sins. If, I confess, if we confess our sins to him, he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'm an heir of God and a co-heir of Christ, and I'm an adopted child of God. And at times when we feel alone and like nobody loves us, the Lord says, not only do I love you, I'm going to adopt you into my family because that is what I wanted to do. And finally, I'm more than a conqueror. Through Christ, I not only have a new life, but he fills me with his Holy Spirit. And now the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in me. Hmm. The reason why it's important for us to talk about Palm Sunday, especially this year of every year, is because we need saving and we have a Savior who wants to come to him, wants us to come to him. He's come to us and saying, you come to me, I'll give you a new life, a new identity. I'll adopt you into my family. That's the story of Easter, and it is very good news. Thirdly, it's important for us to remember what happened on Palm Sunday because it reminds us that God is always working, even when we don't understand what he's up to. He's working in ways that we don't understand or see. In John 12, uh, John writes this interesting little sentence. Right after he's talked about Jesus coming into Jerusalem on a donkey, he says, at first his disciples didn't understand all this. It was only after Jesus was glorified, after he'd been raised from the dead, that they realized that these things had been written about him and that they had done these things to him. I mean, I love this because there's sometimes that we think, well, the people in the Bible were all at just a whole nother level of understanding than we are. Because there's times in my life, I'm just so confused what God is up to. Sometimes I think I get what I'm supposed to be doing, then other times I don't know what's going on because I thought I was doing the right thing, but life's so hard. And how could this be right? Well, that was certainly true for the disciples. On Palm Sunday, they saw people waving all kinds of palm branches. And these palm branches were terribly important 
Um, in the days of Jesus, palm branches meant that um, this was a sign of honor. And it was, these were palm branches were even carved inside of Solomon's temple. And they were on ancient coins. And at times we, when you see the parade coming down the street on Palm Sunday and people are waving palms, well, that's a great deal. But just a few days later, the same people that had been waving those branches were yelling, crucify. And all of a sudden, Jesus wasn't the person of honor anymore. And it was confusing. What's God up to? Well, that's that same way in your life and in mine. And this is why it requires trust to follow Jesus, because we have to acknowledge that his ways are beyond our ways. When John says it was only after Jesus was glorified that they recognized what he had been up to, that's important also because that's when they realized that, hey, Jesus, when he rode in on that donkey, was fulfilling a prophecy that had been written 500 years earlier. This was all part of God's plan. He knew that the people who praised him would also reject him, and he loved them anyway. He knew that it would cost him his life And he came to Jerusalem because he loved the people who were there. And he loves you and me. That's why there are a couple of other scriptures I want to share with you this morning. In in Isaiah 46, 9, it says this, I am God and there is none like me. Only I can tell you the future even before it happens. And everything I plan will come to pass. And I've shared this with people in the past. You know, God's working and he has a plan. And they'll go, well, yeah, he has a plan for Jesus and a plan for the disciples and a plan for Abraham or Moses. But does he have a plan for me? And the answer to that is yes. In fact, Psalm 138, 8, we find these amazing words. The Lord will work out his plans for my life. For your faithful love, O Lord, endures forever. Now, I know we're not worshiping together in person. If we were here, I would have us all repeat this together so we could hear it out loud. But I think it's important for these words to come not only from my lips, but from all of our lips for us to recite this together. So if you're at a place where you can say this out loud, I'm going to read it again. I wanted you to join me wherever you are. The Lord will work out his plans for my life, for your faithful love, O Lord, endures forever. That's amazing. God is working out his plans for your life and for my life, even at times when we don't understand it. Paul said that in Romans 8, 28, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So even if I'm going through stressful times right now, it doesn't mean that God isn't going to bring some good out of this. He might be teaching me things that I'm not even aware I'm learning. I remember when I was graduating from college, uh, I was planning the last semester of my senior year Uh, so I was planning to graduate in the spring. Well, that fall semester before, as I was going through my class schedule for my final semester with my advisor, my advisor pointed out that he had made a terrible mistake, and there was a class that I had missed in the fall, and it wouldn't be available until the next fall, and I was going to have to take an extra semester of classes. He was a terrible advisor. (laughs) But beyond him being uh, not a very good advisor, There was this fact that I still had to go a whole extra semester, and there were many times during those extra months of class that I would talk to the Lord and go, Lord, I don't even know how this happened. Is there anything good that can come out of this? Well, if I look backward in time from where I am now, that extra semester lined up a whole new set of job interviews for me that I wouldn't have had. 
and the company that eventually hired me and brought me to Gum Montgomery, Alabama, well, that changed the whole direction of my life. I had never even been to the South before. And that job took me down here where I met my wife and I got involved in ministry. And I am grateful to God now that I had to take an extra semester of class. But at the time, I didn't understand it. Let me give you one more encouraging verse. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Do you know that before the beginning of the world, God knew you? God loved you and has invited you now to come to him and give all your problems to him. He's working out his plan for your life. That's encouraging to me, and especially during a time when I'm very sensitive to the fact that I need his help. We need a Savior. Our Savior wants us to come to him. God's always working, whether we understand it or not. And fourthly, following Jesus means more than just being a fan. See, when Jesus rode into Jerusalem and there were people waving palm branches, well, the disciples were excited. They loved Jesus. But there were other people there, too, waving palm branches. They were people who thought he was going to be a great military leader, like I said. That was their idea. And then there were still others. The Bible tells us that there were people who had just come to see Jesus do a miracle. He'd raised a man named Lazarus from the dead, and they'd heard about that. And they thought, well, maybe he'll do some kind of miracle like that. I want to see this. And so... They were waving palm branches saying, Hosanna, come save us. But they were really just hoping that he was going to do something amazing. And that's why it was so easy just a few days later for them to throw the palm branches down and start shaking their fists and saying, we want him dead. There were religious people in the crowd too, and they were upset with Jesus because they had a whole system of how you were supposed to earn that audience with God that I mentioned a little bit ago things you had to do and things you certainly couldn't do. And they came up with rule after rule after rule. And Jesus challenged all that. And he said, look, you need to love your, the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbors yourself. And if you do, do those things, you're doing what's most important. And it made them furious because he challenged them over and over again. And he said, it's not about keeping man-made rules. It's about loving God and loving others. And so they wanted him dead, and that's why, together with the Romans, the Pharisees crucified him. They were religious people. So in the crowd, there were religious people. In the crowd, there were people wanting to see a miracle. There were people wanting some kind of solution that would benefit them. And then there were people who truly wanted to follow him. And so if you and I are going to be following Jesus, we need to understand it's much more than just being a fan, being a fair-weather follower. It's trusting him even in the difficult times and surrendering our lives to him and saying, God, what do you want to accomplish in me and through me? That's why in Luke 19, there's another account of Jesus riding the donkey into Jerusalem. It says this, as they came closer to Jerusalem and Jesus saw the city ahead, he began to weep. Oh, how I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace. But now it's too late. And peace is hidden from your eyes. Jesus knew they were going to reject him in spite of the parade. And so over and over again, we find these sobering sentences like I just read in the Bible. 
where people are given a choice and they choose to turn away from God. They choose to obey or disobey. I mean, in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve had a choice. Would they love God and obey his commandment or would they eat of the forbidden fruit? And they ate. At the cross, Jesus, when Jesus died on the cross, he was crucified between two thieves. And those thieves had a choice. Would they love Jesus or would they reject him? One of them asked Jesus to rescue him and to save him. The other mocked him, even though he had nothing to lose. We always have a choice. Jesus himself said, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And if you and I come to Christ, it means that we come to him and follow him, not just as a fan, but as somebody who honestly says, I need a Savior. I want a new life. I want to be adopted into your family. I want your power living in me, and I surrender control of all that I am, all my faults, all my failures, all my fears, all my successes, everything. I surrender it to you, Lord, and I follow you. In fact, Jesus told his disciples, hey, count the cost before you follow me. Because he didn't want people just hanging around to see a miracle. He said, I love you, and I want to give you a brand new life. We need saving. Our Savior wants us to come to him. He's always working in ways that we may or may not understand. And following Jesus means being more than a fan. But fifthly, and this would be the last important reason I think that we talk about uh, Palm Sunday today, is that people in heaven are waving palm branches. There is an interesting uh, little passage tucked away in Revelation chapter 7, the last book of the Bible. These are two verses, verses 9 and 10, where John, one of the disciples who had stood there and watched the crowds on Palm Sunday, saw this later in his life. After this, I saw a vast crowd that was too great to count, and from every nation and tribe and people and language standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. And they were clothed in white robes, and they held out palm branches in their hands. And they were shouting with a mighty shout, Salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. I mean, all the people in heaven that are waving palm branches are giving glory to Jesus for his great mercy and his love and his undeserved kindness toward them. I mean, isn't it interesting? These are uh, pictures of people in, in heaven not saying, hey, salvation comes because we were smart enough, because we were good enough, because we earned our way in. Mm -mm. They say salvation comes because of the one who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. Can I encourage you today on this Palm Sunday that we're observing during a pandemic to surrender all your needs and fears to God? He loves you and he cares for you. And he's always more ready to listen than we are to pray. Can I encourage you to come to him today if you feel overwhelmed with your own shortcomings and you say, I don't measure up. We all fall short. And that's why Jesus came into our world to rescue all the people like you and me who fall short. Can I encourage you today to put your trust in him and to remind yourselves, to, and can I encourage all of us to remind ourselves that God loves us and he's given us a new life. And when we're tempted to be afraid and we're tempted to be down on ourselves, can we put up those five um, characteristics again? 
that when we're tempted to be down on ourselves, to remind ourselves that through Christ, I'm a new creation. I'm forgiven of all my sins. I'm an heir of God and a co-heir of Christ. I am more than a conqueror and a adopted into God's family. And can I encourage you today, if you'd love to give your heart to Christ, just to surrender to him and say, God, give me that new life. He'll hear that prayer. In fact, I'd like to pray with us right now. God, I thank you that um, during this pandemic, your Bible is still real and relevant. I thank you that at a time when people needed rescuing, you came to rescue them. And even when they didn't understand all that you were up to, and even though many people rejected you, Lord, you still loved them and came anyway. Father, I thank you that you love me. And I thank you that you've been patient with me. And I thank you, Lord, that you forgive my sins, you give me new life, and that you've adopted me into your family. I pray that you remind every person the sound of my voice of your great love for us. I thank you, Lord, that you made the first move. You came to us, and all we need to do is respond. I want to be more than a fan, Lord. I want to follow you. I trust you, Lord, and I thank you. I thank you for Jesus, and I thank you for Palm Sunday, and I look forward to one day waving a palm branch in heaven myself and shouting praises to the one who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. In the name of Christ, we pray these things together. Amen.